What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to the Gardening Canada podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and today's episode, we're going to be talking about using frugal stratum with houseplants. Let's just jump straight into it. Hello, plant people. How are you guys doing today? If you're new to this podcast, my name's Ashley, and I'm a soil scientist. I like to take that science and apply it to all things plants, both indoors and outside. I personally have a houseplant collection and obviously a garden as well. And you can come find me over on YouTube or Instagram. Come over and say hi. Quite a few of you actually have. And I might be biased here, but I do find the podcast crew of the Guardian Canada platform to be the best crew when we're comparing blog to Instagram to YouTube. I'm just saying, you guys are a pretty positive group and uh, I really do enjoy you guys reaching out. And with that being said, we officially had a podcast listener actually leave a voicemail. So if you did not know, I have this subscription to basically a a memo uh, type thing where you can click the link down in the show notes and it will actually take you to a website where you can then record a memo for me or what I like to just call you know the old school days where you left voicemails that's that's exactly what it feels like so first uh question here is from Haley and so let's take a listen to that and then I will answer her question Hi Ashley, I just have a question wondering about how did you get so interested and involved in plants and gardening? So I do love this question Haley, and it's because there's a lot of emotion and passion and so many things that go into the reason why I love plants and gardening so very much. So this isn't anything recent by any means. I've been gardening since as long as I can remember. To put into perspective, I used to garden with my grandma from a very, very early age, and I had my own specific set of seedlings and my own specific area in the garden, because let's just say five-year-old redhead Ashley running through the garden just meant destruction and very low yields. So it started very early on. I enjoyed the outdoors, and then it just kind of formed into a career. So I went to university for soil science because I did enjoy plants, but I initially went in because I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I don't 
likes harming animals. So the idea of seeing animals struggling to survive was not, it didn't pan out very well for me. But what I can say is that I took a course, um, course correction that I will never ever regret. And I do quite thoroughly enjoy not only helping feed the world, but also helping other people learn. And I'm incredibly passionate about it as well. And I think sometimes that that emits from a lot of the content I do create because it causes other people to get just as excited about it as I do. So thank you so much Haley, for that question. The answer is forever. As long as I can remember, I've enjoyed plants. It's almost like a DNA thing for me, but um, I'm going to chalk it up to my grandma's continual gardening and plant care that caused the obsession to begin with and uh, say it was a nature and nurture combined um, type scenario. So let's get into the actual content here today and like I said be sure to leave a voicemail it doesn't have to be a personal one it could be something about gardening whatever you houseplants you ask away and I will answer so today's actual podcast we're going to be talking about something called fluval stratum so this is a concept that was presented to me by quite a few uh, viewers both on YouTube and then I had some Instagram people reach out as well and then I believe there was one podcast listener as well that reached out about this. And so the idea behind this is that it is a, a kind of like a semi-hydroponic setup. And there's an entire Facebook group dedicated to growing houseplants in fluval stratum. And the reason that the question was posed to me is because some of the results were really quite uh, remarkable that people were seeing. So the question I was being asked is, what is going on? What is causing these plants to grow so big so fast and um, look so much more healthy than that of something grown in soil or grown in weka? So I'm going to break down quite thoroughly the differences between the three, what makes fluval stratum so particularly um, interesting and unique in its way that it's made, and then go into as much as I can verbally about how I would plant with this, but I do have a YouTube video up on how to plant uh, with a fluval stratum, and then I also do have a blog post if you want to physically read through and then get some photos of exactly how I did my fluval stratum with my houseplants. And if there is no photos, you can email me because it means I forgot. And this time of year is really crazy for me because I work in agriculture. So we are crazy at work. And then combine that with the fact that gardening in Canada also is just really busy this time of year. It's a good mix in a very bad way. So <laughs> if I forget, please reach out and remind me and I will for sure get those photos put up. I have the photos. They just may not necessarily be posted yet. So now let's get into exactly what fluval stratum is. So this is the new houseplant craze and it's commonly used on houseplants in a semi-hydroponic setup. And essentially what uh, fluval stratum is, is it's compressed balls of volcanic soil. Now, notice how I said volcanic soil. I did not say volcanic rock. I'm not referencing rock or anything hard. I'm referencing literal 
soil. And if you watch the YouTube video I did on this, I take the little uh, ball sections and I actually crush them between my fingers and they just disintegrate into dust. And this is because it is not just soil, but it is a heavy, heavy clay soil. So fumostratum is taken from the base of a volcano, located actually in Japan. It's very specific stuff. And because it's needed of soil, that's what makes it drastically different than a soilless meeting, meet, medium, such as potting soil or sphagnum moss, but it also makes it drastically different than your classic volcanic rock sources for your semi-hydro, such as pumice or litrus upon, uh, perlite, things like that. And then it's even more, it's even different compared to that of Lekka. And Lekka would be the only thing we could kind of sort of compare this to because Lekka is lightweight expandable clay aggregates. So that's the only thing as close to soil as we can get is, is Lekka. But these actual volcanic um, soil balls, literally that's what they look like, are incredibly lightweight and they contain all the essential nutrients that a plant needs, such as potassium, phosphorus, iron, magnesium, mag magnesium, you name it. And that is because it is from volcanic soil. So volcanic soil typically is very high in lots of micronutrients. Now my concern with using volcanic um, or fluval stratum without any form of other fertilizer would be its potential lack of nitrogen. And now I wouldn't question the lack of nitrogen typically in something like this, but in the case of what the original purpose of this medium was for, I do question it. And that's because it's actually meant for fish tanks. So when I was 15 years old, up until I believe 24, I can't quite remember, I worked at Petland. That was my, that was the job that paid for my university, essentially. And that job I did during the school year. So during the summers, I would do research and development for various different companies. But during the winter times, when all the field work was dried up, because that's my industry, I would work at Petland. And I worked specifically in the fish room. And my kind of uh, obsession during that time was things like shrimp tanks and plant tanks, of course. So because of that, I quite often used fluval stratum for my planted tanks and for my shrimp tank, my nano tank in particular. So I remember this stuff from the past. And what I do know is that it never really caused any nitrogen spikes. And that is valuable in a fish tank setup because at the end of the day, nitrogen cycling and nitrogen balance in a fish tank is incredibly important for maintaining a healthy ecosystem. So that makes me hazard to guess that fluvostratum could be low in nitrogen, um, in particular bioavailable forms of it, such as uh, ammonium, which is the form that could affect the actual uh, water of a fish tank. So do I think that you can just plant in it and not worry about replacing or fertilizing with nitrogen? I'm not 110% sure on it, but you could always try and then see what happens. My recommendation would be put your plants in the fluval stratum um, if they were in semi-hydro from before. And if you're noticing any yellowing of the leaves, 
particularly on the bottom portion of the plant, then you may want to supplement with that pH balanced fertilizer that we discussed on the long podcast about maximizing maximizing growth in a LECA uh, growing environment. I would just use a, a pH balanced hydroponic fertilizer water mix that you do at home. Um, again, blog post, a YouTube video on how to do that. And that will give you the bump that you need to keep the ball rolling with fugalstratum. Now, because the volcanic soil is lightweight, it is able to harbor uh, microbes, and those microbes can help with nutrient cycling. And this is valuable both in the fish tank, but it's also incredibly valuable in a setup such as a semi-hydroponic setup. So one thing to keep in mind is because it is this really light uh, soil, if we mechanically manipulate this stuff at all, I'm talking put it in a colander and rinse it off, uh, spray water on it in any way, shape, or form, uh, use hot water on it, it will disintegrate. So if you're not using clear containers, which I recommend you do not use a fluvostratum unless you kind of want to look at a murky water, you will not want to necessarily rinse this out on a regular basis, and you're most definitely never going to flush it in a way that you would flush LECA. You would simply place it and then forget it. Now, if you originally... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. At the beginning of this video, was like, what the heck is Fluvostratum? And then Googled it and saw the price of it. You can see why at the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you tips and tricks on how to actually incorporate just Fluvostratum in a regular hydroponic setup without breaking the bank. And also with the bigger plants, there are some issues with just using Fluvostratum because it's typically not heavy enough. However, it's incredibly effective at growing plants, but we'll get into uh, exactly why that is here in a little bit. So the secret here as to what makes fluvostratum work so well with houseplants comes down to the secret ingredient, if you will, which is actually just the uh, medium's natural chemistry and physics doing its job. Because it is a soil, it has an incredibly high cation exchange capacity compared to that of a sphagnum moss, a leca, a pumice, a lutrusipon, you name it. And so because of that higher CEC, it's able to kind of balance out that pH and do, um, it does some pretty good work of making it so that it's more of an ideal pH for plants. And again, because it's going into a fish tank, fluval is incredibly obsessive over ensuring that it doesn't cause any rapid pH spikes because any sort of pH spike in a fish tank, especially in a shrimp tank or um, a plant tank, can drastically harm everything inside of that. And fish tank setups, if you are not aware, are incredibly expensive compared to house plants, uh, which sounds surprising, but it's true. So they are very uh, particular about this. So the secret ingredient or what the secret uh, characteristics of this entire medium is that it's able to have a pH that can be pulled below 
uh, 7. So it's around the 6 to 6.5. And that's where we want to be. That is the ideal level for nutrient uptake. So fluvial stratum is supposed to be able to hit that pH without any other alteration of the water that you add to that medium. And again, this comes down to the physical uh, and chemical characteristics of the actual volcanic soil itself. Now, I have a theory here, and I think that this uh, buffering of the pH is why people see such good results. And this is when we can start comparing fluval stratum to potting soil versus fluval stratum and some sort of semi-hydroponic setup. So I think the reason why with fluval stratum we see such great results when compared to a potting soil comes down to the pH. When we're looking at a potting soil such as a peat moss or a coconut coir, we tend to see really low pHs. And it's not very often that a houseplant person is going to avidly act add something such as lime. And the addition of lime can actually increase the pH of that potting soil, which can ultimately lead to more nutrient availability in the potting soil itself. However, most potting soils, typically speaking, have a slow-release fertilizer fertilizer in them of some sort, meaning we don't need the pH to be ideal because we're just working on the soil solution and dissolving already granular type uh, fertilizers in that in the, the soil solution. So when we compare it, especially when we start getting into DIY potting soils that maybe aren't using granular slow release or are starting to use more organics and letting the potting soil dry out and most definitely are not incorporating things like the lime to help to bump up that more acidic uh, peat-based potting soil, we tend to see lower rates of growth. So when we go to flip our plants into something like a fluval stratum, we see really, really rapid growth because we not only have an abundance of nutrients that's bioavailable, but we also have the right pH to allow for proper processes like osmosis and diffusion and um, passive translocation, all these really unique uh, things that take place in our plant root can take place in the fluval stratum where they couldn't in the potting soil. Conversely, we kind of see something similar when it comes to leca, pumice, latrice upon, you name it. And that is more so directed not by the medium that the plant is potted in, but actually the type of water that you're using or the pH of the water you're using. So where I'm located here in Saskatoon, I have a pH of approximately 8. And I know this because I have fish tanks, I have pond, I have a pond, and I also use hydroponics and semi-hydroponics all over my house. So I'm testing my pH at least once a week. It sits around like an 8, pretty much like clockwork. I have the exact number of drops I need to lower that pH, pH down, um, memorized in the back of my head. It's 5 just for anyone who's wondering, based on the container that I use. And so because of that, if I was to just simply use LECA or Lechusapon or Pumice or Perlite or any of these semi-hydroponic setups and just simply water my plants without adjusting that pH, I end up, I'm going to end up with really poor growth. And so because of that, I think, again, that's where fluval stratum would come in. If we were to switch our plants over from fluval stratum into a LECA or whatever the case is, we're, or sorry, from a LECA, yeah, from a LECA or whatever the case is, you're going to see much more rapid growth. Because again, you have an ideal pH, you have an ideal solution, and 
the nutrients and everything else falls into place. So with that all being said, if you have a neutral or um, ideally slightly acidic uh, cup of water that comes out of the tap, then continue using that with just regular hydroponic fertilizers. And you will see very similar results to that of fluvostratum. But if you're like me and you have to make a ton of adjustments on the pH and the nutrients and you name it, and it's just a hassle and you're busy, fluvostratum actually is the answer. Because with fluvostratum, the theory is that we don't have to actually adjust the pH, and we also don't have to add any sort of fertilizer. So I recently picked up a bag of fluvostratum for the first time in about 13 years because I don't have any shrimp tanks or planted tanks anymore. All the fish I have at this point are very angry and would just eat any sort of plant that I put into them. And so I am going to try to use fluvostratum in my actual um, semi-hydros. And I just repotted a whole bunch and I filmed how I did it. Now, my goal here, and from what I remember um, when I was doing fish tanks more so, was that the stratum needed to be in contact with the roots. And I remember how fragile this stuff was, to the point that you cannot vacuum it up with your regular uh, fish tank vac. And you really need to watch, even when you're filling the tank, not to just let the water fall onto the fluval stratum. So what I came up with back in the day was to actually take my larger uh, plants, such as my swords, and tie them to the roots to a rock, and sink the rock into this tank, and then build the fluval stratum up around the roots. The key here is that the fluval stratum is in contact with the roots. Now the problem is, it is incredibly lightweight. So when it comes to larger sized plants, they will be ripped out very, very easily. Um, they get bumped, they're getting knocked out of the fluval stratum. There's not much weight there. So my theory when I was planting up my house plants was to do a small coating on the bottom of the container. And then from there, I could plant my plant in, have my roots in direct contact with the actual fluval stratum, and then lay my raca on top or my pumice or whatever the case is, my more porous material. This would act as a buffer between when I water the plant to protect the fluval stratum from being turbulated or um, weathered in any way, shape, or form, but it simultaneously is also going to add that weight I need and the support I need to prevent my plant from what we like to call as lodging. So that's essentially what I did. Now, not necessarily, you don't have to follow this um, way that I did it. There's a ton of other ways to do it. So if you actually follow the group, uh, the Fluval Stratum group, which I haven't had a chance to actually join or sign up for, but um, I've heard really great things, and I've seen some photos out of there by the people who requested uh, information on this medium. And one of the things that I noted was that the plant itself doesn't necessarily, for the ones that are planted in full, uh, full stratum, had a mix of air porosity and water. So they did a semi-hydroponic, but they didn't necessarily fill or saturate the entire area, meaning that they're likely watching that pot a lot more often, trying to keep the balance between water and air. So that was very unique um, and something that you may want to look into.
The other thing you could do here is not necessarily just willy-nilly say it has to be Lekka or it has to be Pumice. That is the supporting uh, feature on top. You can actually mix the fluvostratum inside of something like a sphagnum moss, for example. And I did that with one of my other plants. Rather than repotting the whole thing, I did a nice little layer of fluvostratum on top. The reason for this is because that pot out in particular, I tend to bottom water. So I'm not too worried about turbulent um, mechanical weathering. And I'm relatively confident that I'm going to be able to see results without having it necessarily incorporated um, at the bottom or in those root layers. And it ultimately is an experiment, so it may or may not work, and I may or may not like it. Ultimately, I'm excited to see how the fluvostratum works for the houseplants. The results I've seen online are pretty shocking to say the least and how well this does work and ultimately it does come down to your personal choice and what you're comfortable with but if you're into experimenting and you have a few plants you can maybe throw the kitchen sink at per se this may be something you want to try out i encourage you to get a small bag to start off with just to see if you do enjoy this method because it may be more labor intensive depending on what your choice is but ultimately, the takeaway from fluvostratum with houseplants in general should be balanced pH needs more nutrient bioavailability and ultimately a healthier, happier plant relative to a poor Leca pumice or Latrusa pond setup and even more so than a polyfill that has not been properly amended. Anyways, that's all I have for you guys today. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to do whatever you do with podcasts. Rate them, I believe. Give this podcast a rating, because I think it matters. I'm not entirely sure. Come visit me over on Instagram. Put a face with me. Let me know you headed over there from the podcast. But if you have reached out, I want to say thank you so much. I appreciate you to the ends of this earth. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, 
It's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.